0: And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. You are listening to Cothonia,
1: the podcast of the dark feminine. Cothonia's logo was designed by J.R. Malpair. Background music is Phantasm by Kevin MacLeod. Hello and welcome to Cthonia. I'm your host, Breach Burke. Um, it's a little strange for me today because this is the first time I'm actually recording a new podcast since April. i actually been doing them in groups at this point. And one of the things I've been doing is, you know, I, like I did all the Maha videos, I tried to finish up that set together and probably over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to try to finish up this next set. Um, just to kind of give uh, regular listeners an idea of what's coming up for this year. Uh, we're about to start the series on the Matrikas. Now there's, well, we'll talk, I'll explain what that is in, in a moment. Um, but I think what we're looking at is... Uh, you know, we're probably the Matrika series is going to take us through o- mid-October, roughly. Um, I think I might do another podcast on the Morrigan after that. Uh, the last one I did was last year, uh, last October with April Shaley. Uh, that one, the the sound was a little weird on that one. Um, I know April was, um, recording from a very strange, uh, location, so there wasn't a, Yeah, you know, she didn't have a normal microphone, um. So what we're going to do is, uh, so I'm going to do that, and then I'll probably um, finish out the year with some Egyptian goddesses, um, you know, of uh, some, some Egyptian dark mothers who we will talk about. So that's what the rest of 2020 is probably going to look like for this podcast. In the meantime, we are going to get into the subject of matrikas. And the first matrika we are going to talk about today is Chamunda, okay? Um, now, first of all, you're probably asking, well, maybe you're not, if you're, if you're depending on how familiar you are. Um, what, is, what is a matrika? Okay, now the matrika is actually a word that means mother. Okay, and often there's a reference to the saptamatrika, or seven uh, matrikas or seven mothers. Um, there's also a reference to the astamatrikas, which is the eight mothers. And in that one, uh, Narasimhi is also included as one of the um, uh, the you know, one of the one of one of these particular, um, quote unquote, mother um, images or mother deities. And the um, so, you know, again, depending on which um, texture reading, which which epic, which uh, purana, um, you'll, you'll see certain different varieties. And matricas. Um, OK, but they literally are referred to as they're, they're they're these very they're referred to as mothers, but they're actually extremely fearsome in their aspect. Um, there's, a, I'm just, you know, one of the um, discussions of them suggests that they were emblematic, as they say, of childhood, pestilence, fever, starvation, and disease, and propitiated in order to avoid these ills. Now, at a more fundamental level, a matrika is a is a shakti. It is a manifestation um, of uh, the Devi, of the, um, you know, the supreme shakti of the of the power of the feminine power of the universe. And uh, these these and boy, they're often seen now. One the, the story that we're probably most familiar with with the Matrikas, um, it's in you know the, the Kalika you know Puranas and also in the Devi Mahatmayam. There's a lot of overlap between those two. And I'm actually going to read um, about Chamunda from uh, the, um, the the Durga Saptashati or the Chandipat, which is which is from the Devi Mahatmayam. Um, I have there's a there's a chapter in there. Actually, it's chapter seven, interestingly. Uh, that, that talks about uh, Chamunda and what the what the story is that most people associate with Chamunda, um, and what we see these these matrikas doing is they often seem to have a protective function. Remember, we had my earlier podcasts we had talked about the idea of the terrible mother. We talk about the devouring terrible mother, which definitely applies here, um, but also as the mother, you know, who in that role is protective. One thing about I think these these really scary looking goddesses is that you know especially if you're a female, you have this idea that um, you know these these goddesses you know protect you from stuff. I mean they're not they're not fooling around, and I can tell you that Chamunda in particular is a goddess that you um, that you don't fool around with. Um, now, uh, well you know let me let me sort of make a. Um, make a start here i want to i want to talk a little bit about her specifically um i do also want to say though that the matrikas are also associated with a group of goddesses called yoganese now the yoganese are sometimes considered to be the daughters of the matrikas so it's weird that you could have matrikas and yoganese that are the same but they also may just be other manifestations of of the devi like another Another version of the Shakti, because there you have if you have okay. If we go with the system that says that there's eight Matrikas, then generally with those is multiplied by eight. You have sixty four yoginis. Okay, so it's like each of them. It's like you know, for each one of them, there's there's like seven more, so that which you know, which makes a total of eight um, for each, and then that's sixty four. And that that tends to be associated with the yoginis um, who are um, reside in the Shri Chakra or the uh, the um, the home of the Devi, as it were. So we, so the yoginis, so the yoginis are another. I mean, you know, the term yogini is used for other things too. It can be used for a female uh, tantric practitioner. It can be used for uh, a female yogi. Um, you know, the term is used in a lot of different uh, cases and in a lot of different ways. But um, but there's but a lot of times now. Now the other thing too. Now, if you remember from our discussion of the Mahavidyas. Um, there's the independence factor when it comes to the Matrikas. Um, now some of the, some of the Matrikas are considered to be the Shakti or power of male divinities okay so there's um, you know for example, Komari uh, who we'll talk about in the next podcast is um, you know considered to be the Shakti of uh, Komara or Skanda who is the god of war okay. Um, there's, there's, you know, the the Matrikas who are considered to be the Shaktis of like Vishnu or, um, you know, uh, Brahma or some of these other deities. Um, now the one we're talking about today, Chamunda, is in fact the only Matrika who is the Shakti of the great goddess Devi herself. She has no male counterpart whatsoever. The other thing worth knowing about Chamunda is that Chamunda is, um, well, okay, like her and like a lot of the Matrikas, they're very, very old, okay? They, are, they have a tradition in the Vedas. They get picked up by the Brahman uh, Brahmanic traditions, okay? Um, and the sort, of, the sort of proper Hindu worship um, as we know it. Um, however, all of them seem to have origins that are much, much older, uh, whether it be in certain local deities. You kind of see this in Greece too. When you talk about... Um, Mount Olympus and you talk about, uh, like Zeus, for example, and, um, Zeus and Artemis and Hera and uh, Aphrodite, all these goddesses, they, they sort of end up taking on attributes of, um, you know, other local deities that are there. Um, you know, they might be referred to as, you know, um, like for example, Chthonic deities might be known as Zeus Chthonios or something like that. Um, there, there's the, the quote unquote main state deities, if you will, um, end up kind of subsuming the local deities that are there and I believe a lot of this has happened with the Matrikas. Now Chamunda is interesting because she's kind of retained her identity and um, she is very <laughs> demonic appearing in nature certainly um, and I'm also thinking of um, some of these other like when we talk about Indri uh, or Indrani the you know the queen of the gods you know she's like the Hera of the um, of the of the Hindu pantheon um, she is actually the daughter of a demon as well so you have these matrikas that are these shakta but they're not they're not these kind of pure um, you know we again we, you know to this is not new to anybody who's familiar with this podcast, but one of the things we want to get away with oh, wait, not away with, away from, is the whole good versus evil theme. And, you know, these they're not they're not really anything. They're they're powers that can be protective and that can be helpful and that can vanquish demons, but they can also be somewhat demonic in and of themselves. And again, the term demonic in Hinduism means something rather different. This is kind of why they have a tantric association, because tantra you know, when you, if you say tantras about the demonic, I mean, that immediately to a Westerner, the narrative there, it signals something very, very, you know, bad or evil or something like that. That's not what we mean by demonic. Demonic tends to have to do with um, that which is Ashuric, or doing with the Ashuras. Um, so it has to do with things that are, how can I put it, it having to do with th- goals that are perhaps more material than spiritual. Um, And again, you want to avoid making a distinction between material is bad and spiritual as good. That happens a lot, too. If anything, Tantra teaches us that both are necessary, that, you know, to live a balanced life, you should participate in and enjoy the world. And, you know, there's a time and place also for spiritual aspiration. So, you know, it's not a matter of choosing one over the other. Um, we may choose our behaviors uh, what what constitutes right action or right behavior in a particular situation but there's not um, you know there's not a um, you know there's not this rigid line between what's sinful and what's not sinful there again there there, there are certain traditions that that um, focus heavily on purity or on purifications or getting rid of pollutions. But what we have here is we have goddesses that, that function in a very polluted kind of a fac- uh, fashion, just the way that uh, many of the Mahavidyas do. So um, so you're going to see this same element with the Matrikas, but the Matrikas are definitely, um, they are definitely more the essence of these of, of the divine. And as we see, the essence of the divine is not necessarily, quote-unquote, all good. In fact, each matrika is associated with a vice, okay? And that vice can depend. It can be wrath, it can be anger, it can be greed, it can be jealousy, um, you know. And and we'll talk about each individual one when we go into uh, each individual matrika. But, you know, just as they embody those those qualities or their manifestations of those qualities, they can also help the devotee to... um, you know learn about those qualities in themselves this is also again just just kind of drawing parallels with the west here if people who practice a goetic practice um and when i say uh, goetia when i talk about the the west i realize that there are there that means more than one thing also there's certainly the practice of using the grimoires and you know there's some overlap here but there's there's the later grimoires that come out like throughout the the middle ages and beyond And then there's the uh, the tradition that um, the archaic goetia, which has to do with sort of practices that were done um, in ancient Greece, kind of necromantic practices. But either way, goetia, when when one works with demons, okay, when one does that, um, takes the goetia and says, okay, I'm gonna you know draw you know circle on the floor and I'm gonna put a sigil in and I'm gonna you know um, call up this demon and I'm gonna ask it to do something. I'm gonna make a you know. Ask it to do something for me. Um, when that happens, um, you—it's—it's—it's it's, it's kind of like um, you know—it's—it's it, a very okay. What, what tends to happen is the thing. Um, I think Lon Milo Duquette expressed this the best in his book *Low Magic*. And also, I had—I had gone to a workshop that he did many years. Ago.
0: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain—maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
1: To go. Um, on and I thought that one of the things he said that was very good was he had said, you know, um, when you when you try to summon a spirit like that for something... Um, it generally <clears throat> excuse me, generally shows something that you're lacking. So, for example, in the, case, in the example he gives of himself, he will say that, um, okay, that, that was a time when, um, I don't know, he was a musician, he was having trouble making money, he had a family, he had his wife and his son, he couldn't support them, so he felt like, you know, he wasn't doing his job as the father of the family and so forth. So he ended up looking to a demon to help him that uh, had to do with dignity, Okay. You know, restoring his dignity, and so he says. But you know, but really, for him to say, uh, "I need a demon to restore my dignity," implies that I don't feel I have dignity. Just like he said, if somebody wants to perform, say, a love spell or invoke something to say, you know, you know, I want Susie next door to fall in love with me, as he put it, uh, then that means I don't think I'm the kind of person that Susie would would be interested in. So it's that kind of a thing. That they, what, my point is that these, they, you know, oftentimes they can help point out areas that are in shadow for you or areas where you lack, okay? Um, so, uh, so yes, yeah, so if you appeal to a, um, a matrica who has to do with jealousy, for example, then, um, you know, then that could mean that jealousy is a problem for you, that you're very possessive, um, that you're, um, you know, that, that you um, can't let go of certain things or you have attachments to certain things. So just as a way of example. Okay, so this is a very long preface, but I feel like it's it's important to explain what the Matrikas are and their role as we're going to get into this series talking about them individually. So now we are going to move on to Chamunda. Now Chamunda is um, okay, let me let me describe how she uh, how she appears here. Um, and okay, so I'll, I'll read a little bit of a description of her. The black or red-colored chamunda is described as wearing a garland of severed heads or skulls. Uh, She's described as having four, eight, ten, or twelve arms, holding a damaru, or drum, a trishula, a trident, a sword, a snake, a skull mace, a thunderbolt, a severed head, and a panapatra, which is um, a drinking vessel or a wine cup, or a skull, or sometimes she has a skull cup filled with blood, standing on the corpse of a man or seated on a defeated demon or corpse. Okay, so this is how she is portrayed. Uh, Chamunda is depicted adorned by ornaments of bones, skulls, and serpents. She also wears a janopavita, a sacred thread worn mostly by Hindu priests, of skulls. She wears a jatamukuta, that is a headdress formed of piled, matted hair, tied with uh, snakes or skull ornaments. Sometimes a crescent moon is seen on her head. Her eye sockets are described as burning the world with flames. She is accompanied by evil spirits. She is also shown to be surrounded by skeletons or ghosts and beasts-like jackals, who are shown eating the flesh of the corpse which the goddess sits or stands on. The jackals and her fearsome companions are sometimes depicted as drinking blood from the skull cup or blood dripping from the severed head, implying that Chamunda drinks the blood of the defeated enemies. The quality of drinking blood is usually a characteristic of all matrikas, and Chamunda in particular. At times, she is depicted seated on an owl, her vahana, mount, or vehicle. Her banner figures an eagle. Okay. So, we, as we can see, she is a very um, scary-looking goddess. Um, it's interesting that there's not a whole lot of artwork of Chamunda that I have seen. Or well, The artwork I've seen of her has made her a little bit more like Kali. And sometimes she is actually conflated with Kali, just like you see that with Tara and with some of these others. And to a certain degree, yes, there's definitely an overlap in qualities and energy. Uh, between these these goddesses. Um, now, the main story uh, surrounding Chamunda, as I said, comes from the Chandipat, um, also known as the Durga Saptashati, 700 verses in praise of Durga, which is a, is a piece that comes from a larger um, epic known as the Devi Mahatmayam. Okay? And I did do a podcast on the Devi Mahatmayam uh, a few months ago now, actually. So let's start, um, I actually have my copy of the Chandipat here, and it's the one translated by um, uh, Swami Yananda Saraswati, and so I'm going to read the translation. Now, in this translation, Chamunda is referred to as the, um, let me find how they say it here, um, the remover of darkness, okay? So that is how she is translated here. So when you hear remover of darkness, we are talking about Chamunda, Okay. And the chapter starts with a meditation upon Matangi, okay, as we know, who is one of the um, Mahavidyas associated with pollution. So uh, interesting that that's the introduction to the Chamunda chapter. Okay, so um, here we have, we have this battle, this is this is the section, and I've, I've again, I've talked about this before, so I don't want to rerun through the whole story, but um, this is when the um, the Asuras, the great ego, um, and all of the bad qualities, as you could say, um, have taken over. Have taken over the world. Okay, they, they've taken over, and um, you know. So the gods, of course, appeal to the Devi to destroy them. Um, I'm going to make one quick side note here that's important. One of the things I have noticed in reading a lot of stories about Asuras or demons. Who practice austerities and certain purifications and spiritual practices in order to achieve a boon see their, their, their purpose is to achieve something okay it's not mere. it's not simply it's not to achieve necessarily knowledge or you know what we might think of in our terms as improvement they're, they're generally trying to get something they're trying to get power for themselves of some kind and when they do this um, I've noticed that when they request a boon uh, from Brahma or from Shiva or from any of these gods for what they do. Um, sometimes they try to request immortality, and they're told nah, you can have, you can't have that. You can have something else. You can't have that. Um, often, what they want, and this isn't true in all cases, but it's true in a lot of cases, probably most of them, is that they want the they want to be invincible. They want it so that no man can kill them. Okay, now this is important that no man can kill them. Okay, which means that. Uh, a woman could kill them. Okay, so this is if you wonder why the Davy is frequently called up. A lot of times you have demons that are invincible to any kind of male uh, deity or or whoever um, that that can't they, they can't they can't be vanquished. It requires a woman, and th- there's kind of an, there's um, there's kind of an almost patriarchal arrogance there. It's just kind of like yeah, well I don't need to mention women because what's a woman gonna do? I mean she's not gonna defeat me, right? well as they find that's uh you know because women you know are are always portrayed as like always sweetness and light and you know and uh, you know they're they're not going to do anything well as we find out that's not true so okay so I'm going to read this translation of this chapter because this has to do directly with where we get sort of the Brahmin idea of Chamunda okay in adherence to the command of self-conceit Passion and anger set forth with four divisions of their army of thoughts, well adorned with weapons and armor. On a high peak in the Golden Mountains, they saw the goddess sitting on her lion, smiling with delight. Seeing her, the thoughts made ready to capture her. Some took up their bows, some raised their swords, some collected around the goddess to begin the fight. Then the mother of the universe became very angry with those attackers and her face turned dark with rage. The eyebrows were scowling and from her frowning forehead appeared the remover of darkness with a terribly frightening face who was holding a sword and a net in her hands. She wore a leopard skin garment and a garland of human skulls. Her flesh had withered and she appeared as a skeleton of bones and very fierce. She displayed fantastic missiles of consciousness. Her mouth was immense, and she brandished her tongue as a sword that caused great fear. Her eyes were penetrating and somewhat red, and her fearful roar was humming in all directions. The remover of darkness killed many great thoughts, and after destroying an army of thoughts in great haste, she began to eat them all. "'She picked up elephants with one hand "'and put them into her mouth together with their protectors, "'the driver with his goads, soldiers, and bells. "'In the same way, she took warriors, horses, "'chariots with their charioteers, "'the entire cal- cavalry of thoughts. "'She put them into her mouth and hideously began to chew. "'Some thoughts she grabbed by the hair, "'others she crushed at the throat, "'still others she trampled with her feet, "'and others she killed by a stroke to the breast. "'She picked up the great weapons of that army in her mouth, "'and in fearful anger, she ground them with her teeth.' She trampled that entire army of mighty and wicked thoughts and ate them all, and others she fiercely beat. Some fell by the blade of her sword, some were beaten by the missiles of consciousness, and some were crushed to death by her formidable teeth. In this way, that entire mighty army of thoughts was killed in a moment, seeing this passion attack that excessively fearful remover of darkness. "'Also that great thought, Anger, raised his extremely terrible arrows "'and hurled a thousand discuses against the fearful-eyed goddess. "'Those discuses entered her mouth, "'shone as a halo of light of the sun absorbed in many clouds. "'Then with a fearful roar, the remover of darkness laughed furiously, "'her teeth radiantly gleaming in her fierce mouth. "'Then the goddess, mounting upon the lion, seized Passion by the hair, "'and with a broad sword she cut off his head. "'Seeing the death of Passion, Anger attacked the goddess.' Then in terrible anger, stabbing him with her sword, she laid him to rest on the ground. The remaining army, seeing the death of the terribly valiant Passion and Anger, were overcome with fear and ran away. Thereafter, the remover of darkness took the heads of Passion and Anger in her hands and brought them to she who tears apart thought and spoke to her with a great laugh. I present to you two great beasts, Passion and Anger. Now in the war of sacrifice, you yourself will kill self-conceit and self-depreciation. Uh, Then the Rishi says, Seeing the heads of the two great thoughts, passion and anger, Chunda and Munda, uh, brought there, the goddess of welfare, she who tears apart thoughts, said in sweet words to the remover of darkness, Since you have brought me the heads of passion and anger, henceforth you will be known in all the worlds as the slayer of passion and anger, Chamundeti. Okay? Okay. Okay, so... Um, so this is the traditional idea. Now, first, she kind of starts out as almost a Kali-like manifestation. She's this emaciated skeletal figure wearing a tiger skin. Tiger skin, as we know, represents the um, ability to control desire. So as, as ferocious as she is and as enraged as she is, it's a sign that she really does have it under control in spite of how things might appear. But um, she almost has almost like a function of a black hole. She just swallows everything up. And, um, there's, there's, there is a similarity to Kali there because if Kali is the devourer of time, you know, it's the idea, um, or we also think back to Greek mythology with Kronos, you know, swallowing his children. Um, there's this idea of the devourer and it always seems to be a deity associated with time that is a devourer. Um, but here we see her, um, excuse me, having to do with passion and anger. Okay. She is devouring, um, you know, the, the deities having to do with, um, you know, the, the way in which we um, act hastily or we, we act from motives. It's when our, you know, emotions are important, but when our emotions get out of control, um, you, know, it, you know, like any of the, the, um, the Asuras, I mean, the Asuras by themselves, um, they represent just qualities. You know, we don't want to say that they're good or evil, um, but what frequently happens is those qualities get out of control. So when we have passion and anger, we have, you know, excessive force. We have, uh, you know, actions not only that are irrational, but are just, um, how can I put it? They're, they're not just irrational actions. They're, um, you know, they're, they're just, um, they're, they're, they're certainly.
0: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.
1: not the appropriate actions for those situations. They could be overreactions. Um, so here we have, so here, here we see the role of these kinds of terrible, ferocious mothers as those that, um, that, that, that kind of still the passions, you know, that's kind of like, okay, let's, 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 you know, slap you in the head a few times and get you back in control of yourself. You know, (laughs) the, the, the deities that shake you and go, all right, get, get a grip, you know, here's the reality, you know, this is it. You have to deal with this. Um, and it can kind of be in your face like that, so um, you know. So okay, so we we see this role of Chamunda, and when she's gen- generally um, propitiated in temples or brought up in prayers or in bhajans or things like that, um, she's generally brought up in the same breath as Kali, and she is also considered to be you know this this kind of um, this this demon slayer, this demon devourer. Okay, now having said that. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm looking at the, um, book, I, and I did a review of this book on the Cathonia blog, so do check that out. Um, this is from Theon Press. It's a book called Ferocious that actually gets into all of the aspects of the Matrikas. Okay. And it actually, even though it's, it's dealing with the Septa Matrikas, it does deal with all eight. There um, Narasimi is put in the, in the appendix there. And, um, one of the things that they note is they said, Chamunda looks demonic and she is demonic. Okay. One thing you have to think about is when you have a deity that continually drinks the blood of demons, that the idea is that that drinking of blood gives you the qualities of that which you are drinking, okay? Which you know, that which held the blood, okay? That's more, you know, what the way I want to want to say that. So she is um you know, so she, you know, so you know, she she doesn't but the, the the kind of energy that she has can be very very easily offended. Um, is very volatile, and you don't want to approach that energy, um, you know, frivolously or flippantly. Um, people who are magicians who maybe appeal to the Matrikas for um, assistance. Um, now, Chamunda is one of those that you you don't... <laughs> if you're angry at somebody, you don't want to send Chamunda after them unless unless you've got somebody who's really, like, you know you know, murdering your family and trying to destroy your house, I mean, I, I would not, I mean, unless it's an extreme case, I would not have, I, you know, if, if you happen to practice those uh, kind of things, I would not recommend um, invoking Chamunda unless you're really, really serious. Because, it, you know, because Chamunda, if, if, if you offend her, that, that can backfire on you too. Um, but... You know, she's not just likely to you know bring the person you don't like bad luck. She's probably going to burn their freaking house down. So it's very, it's a very, very powerful shakti energy. And and one of the things that's made very clear about Chamunda is that in spite of the story I just read to you, her really she's very clearly pre-vedic. She is very clearly a very, very old, old deity that has been around for a long time. And what's interesting is that the sort of um, egalitarian nature of her, in the same way that you see with gods like, say, Bacchus or Dionysus, where the very powerful and the very wealthy, and in this case the very high caste, worship Chamunda, but also the very lowest, the untouchables, um, and the people or classes of thugs and criminals and, um, you know, the poverty-stricken, they also appeal to Chamunda. Chamunda is a very very democratic goddess. I mean, she is not... um, just for one and as they imply in the ferocious book they said you know she probably would not be around this long or propitiated if the the rights to her did not actually yield some kind of result so she definitely represents an extremely powerful natural force um a force in the universe um that um that exists and yes they're all these kind of brought into these stories um and and the idea is that you are to bring Chamunda in and, and make her a demon slayer, it's a way of kind of um, taking that very, very raw and um, powerful and dangerous energy and kind of directing it towards, um, you know, a, a different purpose or a different, um, a different idea. Um, now, the other story about, um, uh, that I'm not going to read to you right now, but I'll just tell you about within the same Durga um, Shati about Chamunda is that she drinks the blood of Rakta Bija or Rakta Vera. Now, Rakta Bija is a demon who is like a demon of addiction. Uh, the idea is that his boon is that when you kill him, another one of him, fully fully grown and fully in- armored, appears. Okay. So, um, so, Rakta Bija is like, this, it literally means, the, the name literally means seed of desire. Okay. And the idea is, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> the more you try to get rid of something. The more it, the more it multiplies, you know. So if you think, I think the way that they often describe it is like, okay, if you're you're on a diet and you know you're somebody I don't know trying to diet by like living on like lettuce and water or something, um, and then eventually your your desire just wells up and you go in and eat everything in sight in the refrigerator, you know, just just as an example, you know, it's like when you're trying to abstain or try to get away from it, it just makes you want it that much more. Okay, that that would be the psychological kind of equivalent of that. And obviously there's a whole spectrum of, of responses there. But um, so what ends up happening is Chamunda, you know, and, and again, sometimes again conflated with Kali here, she runs her tongue along the ground. And when she does so, she drinks up the blood of Raktabija so that he cannot replicate. So again, so here's a goddess who frees you um, from delusion, who frees you from passion, anger, and also from addiction. Okay, so she's so so you have this very, very powerful and potent energy. At the same time, um, again, she's frequently um, invoked uh, against enemies and in sort of um, these kinds of what you might call black magical contexts. So she, to me, is kind of, you know, she's sometimes considered the first of the Matrikas, and you can see that, you know, and I don't know whether that has to do with age, whether that just has to do with um, her role, um, but she is definitely... Um, and, and like Dumavati, by the way, she's also associated with old age and disease at times. So again, these are these are forces that are that are very fearsome, but um, but they but they are here. They are natural forces. Now, um, <clears throat> just a little bit more background here: uh, Ramakrishna Gopal uh, Bandekar, which I, I think I took this from a um, possibly I took it from a source on the web, um, possibly Wikipedia. Um, but I think, I don't think it was actually, <clears throat> it was probably another one of the Vedic sites that I, that I found. There's so many of them out there, I, I start to lose track of what they are. But he says that Chamunda was originally a tribal goddess worshipped by the tribals of the Vindhya mountains in central India. These tribes were known to offer goddesses animal as well as human sacrifices along with ritual offerings of liquor. Um, and that's the other thing too about the Matrikas, by the way, is that they all like blood. Um, you know, you don't have to... Show devotion in that way, but um, if you are actually going to have that kind of relationship, they do like they do like blood, um, generally yours. Um, so just um, not that not that that's required if you want to um, you know recite these goddesses mantras or or show a devotion to them. You don't have to do that, but if you're forming, my guru had only said, um, or at least her swami had only said, you know you don't want to do that. At least is what they're telling us. They said you know because then unless you're you're creating a very very um, specific kind of a bond when you use blood, so um, unless you're prepared to continually maintain that bond, um, be careful about doing that. Okay, and uh, <clears throat> you know, and I, you know, it's it's one of those things that you know, it's it's. I'm not. I, I wouldn't tell anybody what to do or not to do, but all I'm saying is, there are people who balk at the idea of that. It's not. I'm saying it's not necessary. Um, for just you know straight up, you know, certain kinds of devotions. So, um, anyway. Okay, these methods of worship were, um, oh, and they also had ritual offerings of liquor. Okay, these methods of worship were retained in tantric worship of Chamunda after assimilation into Hinduism. He proposes the fierce nature of this goddess is due to her associated with Vedic Ruja, identified as Shiva in modern Hinduism, identified with the fire god Agni at times. Um, Wangu also backs the theory of the tribal origins of the goddess. Apart from her popular names like Chamunda, Chamundi, Chamundeshwari, uh, Chartika, and Rakta Kali, she is also known as Rudira Kali, Chandakali, Rudira, Mala Devi, Rudirama, Rudreshwari, uh, Rakteshwari, Rakta Chamundi, Vir- Virkali, Porkali, uh, Galurika, Ugra Chandi, uh, Kal- Kalari Devi, and. Ati regionally in India and Nepal. She is popularly worshipped as a goddess of war and patron of martial arts, um, like kalari Payatu. Okay. So, um, so she, yeah, so she definitely has these very um, uh, intense associations, shall we say. And, uh, and as they say, she is obviously originally a tribal deity that is that important enough to make her way into Hinduism. Now, um, some of the aspects I have here in my notes, um, that she's a demon slayer and a demoness, um, like some of the darker Mahavidyas and the Santa Muerte in the Mexican tradition, she tends to be worshipped by outcasts and criminals with nothing to lose, uh, frequently invoked in curse magic, black magic, um, and as I've said, be careful about invoking her for such things. Um, now personally, okay, I'm just going to make a personal side note in my own sort of relationship with Chamunda because she is one of the deities that, um, I favor very heavily. And and it's interesting because I look at the images of her, which are meant to absolutely scare the pants off of you, but they actually don't scare me at all. I I'm actually just there's something very sublimely beautiful about looking at Chamunda. There's there's like a there's a tremendous beauty at least in my eyes. She's a tremendously beautiful goddess. I mean you know just because she's not sitting there you know with a smile and looking nice or or whatever. There's just something about her that to me that is just. Um, I don't know. If I meditate on chamunda there's just kind of like a sublime beauty there, and I feel like when I'm, you know, you know, I, I I have a lot of those of you who are astrologically inclined. I have a tremendous amount of Mars energy in my chart, so um, when I when I'm when I'm feeling that energy at very high peaks at different times, um, I find Chamunda is kind of a great um, source of. Um, I, I don't know if the comfort's the right word, but I find. Um, you know, uh, I find her to be kind of a, a, a balancing or a helpful force, shall we say. Okay. Um, now, just, I was also looking at some of her other aspects, okay, she's got an emaciated body, okay, which again, um, and again, it's never, she's swallowing all these things, but she never stops being emaciated, okay, it just, she just continually and continually, it's like her, her body is infinite, Okay. And it may, the emaciation may represent old age and disease and death, um, you know. And, you know, so, so again, as I said earlier, she's a kind of black hole. She's like a void beyond time and space that eventually devours everything. makes me kind of wonder, now that I'm, I'm thinking about this um, and reflecting on it, whether or not, you know, cause there, there's a lot in the, um, in the, the Vedas and other things that, that kind of reflect actual things that we've learned about the universe and about how it works, Particularly with regard to things like you know maybe multiverses or um, you know cer- other certain quantum things. Um, I'm not that that maybe at some point that could be a separate podcast. Right now I'm not um, you know I'm not prepared to give, give you all the quotations there. But there's a lot in especially the early Vedic mythology that that, that seems to accurately reflect um, what what science has discovered about the universe. Uh, Joseph Campbell has a lecture series on that where he says that's one of the reasons that people seem to be drawn to Eastern belief is because it actually jives with the, the factual knowledge that we've gotten to some degree. Not that myths have to be about facts, and that's not their intention necessarily, but it, it's easier to, um, you know, um, adopt a narrative if, if we find that it matches what we've actually learned, Okay. You know, when we have a story and, and it's uh, it's very clearly not the you know like that's the problem with the Adam and Eve story. The world was clearly not created five, six thousand years ago. So it's like, okay, if you're gonna try to look at it from that angle, now does the Adam and Eve story have a, a value and, and have a meaning that doesn't have anything to do with that? Yes. But it's like when people who try to try to reconcile it in that way, it doesn't really work. Okay. So you'll find that. Um, so I don't know. So now in reflection, I'm thinking, okay, is Chamunda kind of like the representation of the black hole? I mean, our galaxy is supposed to have a black hole at the center. I mean, if that's this, if she's the if they're at the center of the universe. Hmm, that's that's interesting. Is the, is that devouring force at the center of the universe? So um, I don't know. I mean, hasn't been studied by scholarship, but interesting thing to think about. Um, and okay, um, let's see. I mentioned her tiger skin, her control over desires, uh, drinking blood. Um, again, those are considered polluted in traditional Hinduism, just like eating meat. Um, but she can continue again to take in these things, and we say she's not affected. But um, I mean, if she's already of that essence, then then no, it's not going to have it's not going to change her from being a, a you know a, a beneficent goddess to, to being a nasty one or something like that. I mean, she's she's already got kind of the um, I would say the dual aspects, because even though she, she is very, um, sort of has these proclivities that are very um, frightening, um, I, I, would, I still would not portray her as sort of this entirely evil goddess. Um, I, I, don't, I don't feel that, um, you know, I, I don't feel that it's, it's, it's that, that simple of a distinction. Um, yeah, she has, again, like a lot of the Mahavidyas did, um, and especially the ones who are closer to Kali in nature, she is associated with graveyards and uh, cremation grounds um and there's also this sort of liminal aspect to her because she's she you know she appeals to brahmins and to lower castes alike okay and she's in orthodox hinduism and she's in tantra okay so that's that's a very powerful and pervasive energy i mean you don't you don't always see that a lot of times especially the matrikas a lot of times they're worshiped as a group and not necessarily as individual deities but chamunda has her own temples okay and um you know, she has, she, has, she has, you know, worn the test of time. She has been around a, a very, very long time. Um, and again, there's her independence. Um, she acts, you know, even though she may be acting in, in concert with other, um, other deities, she basically is, is very much in her own right. She has no um, male attachments whatsoever, okay? Um, and, and again, this is remarkable for someone who is considered to be into, associated almost entirely with inauspicious things. Um now I have another note here um about the um uh uh Kshatriyas, and I'm, I'm saying that right, Ksh, uh, Kshatriyas and, and the Jain Jainist community often worship Chamunda as a Kula Devi or family deity. Um and uh also in you know different um uh, the Chapa dynasty worshipped her as a Kula Devi, the Kuch uh a Gujar um, Ksh- Ksh- Kshatriyas, it's the KS that's driving me, that's throwing me here, worshippers Akula Devi, and she has temples in uh, Sinugra and uh, Chandia. Okay. And a lot of this is in South India, um, so she she definitely tends to have a very, very strong presence in South India. Um, I had another uh, note about her, so let me just see um, what I wanted to say here. Um. Let's see, so something. Okay, I think I just had another note here. Um, this is from Ferocious. I remember I had a certain pages had stood out to me, and this is on the idea of, um, of of the ancient nature of Chamunda. It says this theme of a deity that embodies dark or negative tendencies applies to Chamunda, but also applies to Matrika group of goddesses, which she belongs. It is also important to note that here that Chamunda and Orkali began as marginalized deities that gradually came to take more and more power and social prestige over the centuries. This text is also interesting to our study because it explores how different deities with similar attributes come to be associated and eventually understood to be non-different or the same entity altogether. Okay? Um, Additionally, we know with certainty that the origins of Chamunda are very early. In terms of material evidence, Chamunda's cult is attested to by an inscription found at Gangadhar in Rajasthan. This inscription provides evidence that A. Chamunda was already considered an established deity by the 5th century. B. Chamunda was connected by them with the Matrikas and the Dakinis, which are another type of yogini-type energy. They're calling them sinister female energies, but yes, Dakinis tend to be associated with these tantric goddesses. And C, Chamunda was equated with tantric and esoteric practices and was able to fulfill all wishes. Thus, we have a deity that is clearly associated with corpses and dakinis, both of which are polluting and polluted, and yet is also a source of wish fulfillment and magical power. That people were willing to risk approaching such an entity is evidence that Chamunda was indeed able to fulfill the wishes of her devotees as they were clearly less threatening threatening goddesses to approach. Okay. so uh it's rather rather interesting um uh discussion here of Chamunda so i think that's that's most of what i want to say uh, about chamunda for today um i have no idea how long i've got i never do when i when i start doing these podcasts they just kind of everything just kind of goes and i always look at what i have and i go oh do i really have enough material to talk about this person and then it turns out i've been talking for like an hour and a half or something so uh so i'll i'll probably um stop here because i think i've actually covered all of the aspects that i think are uh important with regard to chamunda um she again she's i i don't i don't i'm not i I don't say a lot of these things to steer people away from her who have an interest in this kind of a deity because i do feel like and again this could just be as i said early on in my intros to uh tantra uh those podcasts is that i tend to have i tend to already feel a connection with these deities um So it's, it's not, um, I don't necessarily think, you know, I, am not sure that she's for everybody, I guess is the, what I'm saying. And, um, I would be, I wouldn't be frivolous about how I approach her, but by the same token, um, you know, when you, if you feel a strong devotion to her, I mean, to me, uh, she is, um, you know, again, it's kind of like what's been said about, about Kali, you know, this this, this something that, that seems to be so apparently awful um, actually represents a kind of sublime reality and reminds us of the place of evil in the world. Now, that's kind of a hard thing to talk about right now because everything is up in upheaval. Everything is so upset. And, you know, every, everybody's in chaos in the world. And, you know, we are wondering, you know, when these kinds of things are finally going to uh, settle down or come to an end, you know, Um but the upheavals, of course, are necessary if you want to make substantive changes, and um, and and it kind of makes you reconsider your ideas about you know what what we regard as inauspicious, okay, and what we regard as um, you know evil or as as something to be you know avoided at all costs or vanquished or exorcised or gotten rid of. Um, not everything is. Um, the way it appears the the kind of central reality there when when you when you have deities that are taking away okay and their function you know i mean they you know these are deities that can offer um worldly wish fulfillment at the same time they represent um on in another context they represent sort of the that removal of things that keep you from seeing how things are to keep that that make you delude yourself and uh, that make you perhaps act in ways that you later regret. Um, you know, they, they represent, they, they allow you to free yourself from that so that you can act in a way that's that's completely in accordance with, with who you are. Um, and, and I actually, what I'm saying is that doesn't mean that there aren't times when you shouldn't be angry or aren't times when you shouldn't display this, this kind of um, passion or whatever, that these things might not be appropriate at certain instances. But... By the same token um you know it's uh, you know it, it, again it's it's a force that you want to keep in balance it's not something that you um you want to exclude you want to see where it fits in and these kinds of deities um can can force you to confront that um and it's you know but i would say use those energies with care Okay, so having said that, um, I'm just going to make a really brief plug here and then I'm going um, you know uh, call it a call it a podcast. Um, first of all, I just want to say um, thanks again to my patrons on Patreon. Um, I, have a, I have a small but dedicated group right now. And if I, I actually would like it if, if you enjoy the work that I do, um, I do a lot more than the podcast. I have, like I said, the catfonia.net webpage uh, has been completely redone this summer. Um, I've added things. I have uh, a new book publishing company called Cathonia Books. Really, it's an imprint um, of the uh, Ingram distributor. Um, but, and, and the first book out is called Maeve, which is spelled M-E-D-B. Um, it's an Irish name, of course. And some people said, why did you have to pick the hardest spelling of the name? I'm like, yeah, but it's the only one that comes up on Amazon <laughs> underneath, that, underneath that title. So uh, there are some advantages. But that was the name. Uh, so I have I have that novella that's come out. I am finishing up one on the Morrigan. Um, I, I originally had had a whole outline on Cathonia.net, but I've taken a lot of it down because in the last few weeks um, I've had a complete revisioning of the whole project. So and uh, like I said, in this past week alone, I've written fifty one thousand words. So I'm I'm really trucking along on this, um, and I'm hoping that. I will have a reasonably good version, um, certainly by August, and I'm hoping by this fall that that will be the next release of Cthonia Books. But Cthonia Books also, I am also taking submissions from other people. I've kind of done a soft launch, launch of it for this summer because I've also been... Um, increasing my reiki practice um increasing my tarot practice i probably do owe people another liminal tarot video i just haven't um you know i've had all kinds of tech problems this summer too that's another another issue even without mercury retrograde i've had a lot of tech issues so um you know so I'm, i'm still um fumbling my way through those i guess you might say but um but there's a lot going on so if you want to support me on patreon i'd be most grateful um, if not, just at least like what, you know, what I'm doing on social media, um, check it out, share it with your friends if you like it. Um, and hopefully, um, you know, we'll have, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be seeing more of you, you know, please subscribe to the YouTube channel or to the podcast if you, if you really like this podcast. And I want to say thanks. I've had a, I've had a pretty big influx in subscribers, um, in the last couple of months. So I want to say thank you to all of you as well. And, um, with that, um, I think uh, I think I'll end on that note, and you know, hope to see you all again, or you know, I hope hope you all will tune in again in the near future, and um, be well.